Welcome to Missed Opportunities for Good, the podcast where we open up the space to have conversations about trends and campaigns at the intersection of marketing, advertising, and impact. Hi, I'm Alana Ficalora. Hi, I'm Steph Belsky. We're social impact strategists, colleagues, and friends who are on a mission to revolutionize the industry we love. Today, there's a lot of virtue signaling, greenwashing, cause washing, or companies saying nothing out of fear of getting it wrong. Whether it's a moment or a movement, it still has to be real. It has to be authentic and aligned with the brand, not just performative. It's about the action being taken that goes along with the messaging. We're here to highlight who's doing it well, what could be better, and how companies can stop leaving money and the potential for real social change on the table. Our guest today on Creative Conversations is Karina Carroll. Welcome, Karina. Karina is an independent Karina Carroll is an independent creative director and designer focusing on climate creativism. <laughs> Looking to push boundaries on how we use our creativity to tackle the looming crisis of our time. She was born in Ukraine and grew up in Israel and has worked with Headspace, Airbnb, Impossible Foods, and many others in her freelance career. I love that it's so sustainability focused since Karina and I met through Creators for Climate. And so we're really excited to have you on today. Welcome to Missed Opportunities for Good. Thank you, Alana and Stephanie. It's so good to be with you. Let's get to know you a bit better now. You can tell us. Why do you do what you do without saying what you do? I do what I do without saying what I do. I do what I do because I really enjoy the creative process and the, the wrestling of, of thoughts in the head of trying to solve something. I really love having a problem that I really care about or that somebody tells me I need to care about. <laughs> but then, you know, kind of obsessing about it and, 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 and working on it, you know, even, even when you're not really working on things, I think it, I love that my brain is always creative because of it. Right. Yeah. And I really like how it makes me look at the world as well. It's interesting. I think as you know, advertisers, it makes, it can make us, I feel for me, it's, it's made me quite a, like, I'm constantly being like, Oh, that, well, this is good because of that. Even if it's something like shit, you know, <laughs> I'm still, <laughs> Constantly finding the positive in things, sometimes to a fault, you know, mm. but I do think that this kind of knee jerk to like paint things in the good way, which I'll talk about later more because I have some feelings about them. I do like that effect that it, it has on me as a, as a person and as a creative person. So. I love that. I appreciate too that you, you to a fault have a positive view on work than than the opposite of well because I work right. in the industry I automatically am more critical so I think that's great that you can see the good in everything I think that's definitely a positive um, trait I will say that these days I'm having a hard time seeing the good in advertising <laughs> <laughs> there um, it is <laughs> I mean if only the world wasn't burning I'd be like it's great but you know right. it is. so it's <laughs> And, you know, I, I just love Karina, how, you know, because I totally butchered it using 
creativity as a form of activism for climate is, you know, just what this work is all about. So um, really excited to, to get into it a little bit more. So along those lines, what, what first drew you to doing work and impact? So I think, well, in the beginning of my career, I was really driven by, you know, making beautiful work and being the best designer possible. I think as I got closer and closer to, you know, moving from production to agency to to brand side, I started thinking and caring more about what it is that my work is doing. And I got pretty disillusioned, to be honest. You know, at some point I was hitting that that moment of like, oh, gosh, did I choose the wrong industry? You know, because because maybe I just want to be an artist. Like, why do I have to do it with an advertising? Mm-hmm. But then I arrived at a place called Impossible Foods, where I spent about a year and a half. And that has really shifted my perspective about working in, in advertising and like, using the skills that I've gained now towards something that really matters to me. And that's that's where I'm at now is I'm, I'm actually working on launching a private practice of sorts or, you know, a freelance studio. Hey. That literally only works with clients that are actually tackling the climate crisis. And I'm going to be pretty... And the reason, okay, and the reason climate is, I don't know, I, I think I think it can be different for all of us. But in that moment of disillusion of, am I, am I in the wrong career? Do I need to completely shift? I found that when it comes to the climate, which to me feels like the biggest problem and opportunity of our time, it, it was just, just it, it's endlessly giving. Because unfortunately, we're also endlessly failing on, on the climate space, just as humans around the world. And I know there's a lot of other areas of impact, but I just found that that one, and I think also my, I just love sciencey things, you know? So I, I love, I love working with scientists. I love talking to scientists. I love reading science. It kind of gives me almost like a religious feeling. So um, my own version of religious feeling. So yeah, so I think that combination of things drew me to climate specifically within the impact space. I think that's really interesting. And and realistically, I mean, climate is all encompassing in and of itself, right? Because it is, I think for so long, it was thought of as just the environmental piece of it. But the reality of it is, is the social side of sustainability is just as important as the environmental side of sustainability. And the environmental piece affects the social piece. And so they're so interconnected and you can't really address one without addressing the other. I mean, how can you not address the biggest issue of our time, right? So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, off of what you just said, I think definitely there's been a movement towards like climate justice and not just talking about, like I said, science and the environment and animals and and sciences and systems, you know, and, and, and warming over here but actually more and more about the human impact that's already happening and been happening for really decades now, but especially yeah. today. Absolutely. And huge congrats on, on opening up your new, your new agency practice. Um, Amazing. And on that note, what issue area are you most passionate about? Or obviously if you're going to continue to talk about climate, you can feel free to dive into any part of the climate conversation that you've really um, dug deep in. Cause I know you've explored so many different interesting projects and conversations in that space already. Yeah, definitely. So I think obviously, like you've been saying within climate, there are so many areas to look at uh, within the climate crisis problem in general. And I have, I've, I've, it's been interesting, like I've done some work, you know, like directly for brands who are like Impossible Foods, like I mentioned, 
but also I've worked with, I kind of rotated to the, to the whole other side. And because, you know, I think, again, as an advertiser and just a communicator and someone who's constantly thinking about like, okay, how do we change the conversation? How do we bring this into conversation more? Yeah. Like, you know, climate just doesn't get talked about much. Like, I don't even feel like we talk about it in our personal conversations. I think it's just so big and all-encompassing. But I think it, we must, especially in the global north and in, you know, wealthy countries and wealthy cities too, just be having these conversations all the time. And, you know, one of the things that's been bubbling up over the last years is obviously a lot of climate activism, especially over in Europe. And I was spending yeah. the last couple of years in London and Tel Aviv, which is where I'm from. And during that time, I got drawn to this group called Scientist Rebellion, which if you've heard of Extinction Rebellion, now there's there's quite a few groups, obviously, that tackle climate on the streets, you know, and what's called nonviolent civil disobedience, direct action. And this group specifically is made up of scientists and academics, mostly who are, you know, in the climate space, who are just going, yo, how much longer are we going to measure the demise? Like, nobody's listening to us. We've got to do something, Right. And what's interesting about, you know, and there's so many opinions about activism in this space, right? The soup throwers, the people who stopped the, the matches, the, the closing of the streets. And it's become like a conversation within itself. But I think what's really interesting about it is at the end of the day, it's they're trying to communicate something. It's absolutely the, the, way, that, the, the way that they think about strategy and, and, you know, perception and then PR. It's all the same, except... They're a bunch of scientists and academics. They're not advertisers. They're not communicators of this kind, you know? Mm-hmm. So I just realized how much a group like that, and I think this applies to so many other, you know, whether it's an activism or nonprofit or even uh, brand side, you know, or, uh, or government side, just scientists communicating the problem is, is something that I think could use so much help from folks in our industry because yes. there's so many brilliant people working in, marketing and advertising, I mean, honestly, and and they're just not putting their hands to this problem. So like, even with a group like Scientists Rebellion, which, yeah, everybody has their own opinion, I believe that there's, I really believe that there's room for this kind of radical movement because of the emergency we're in. I don't think that's the only solution. It's not where I'm focusing all my efforts, but I do think it's important. And and what they're doing is, is performative, right? They're trying to perform something so that the news picks it up so that people talk about it. That's exactly, it's the same. It's the same like trying to sell a product or whatever we're trying to talk about. So yeah, I think there is just so much room for anyone who's interested to do stuff in climate creatively. As I, as I coined it for now, climate creativism. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a working name. If somebody has ideas, please it. send them in. I'm no. taking ideas. I think it's brilliant. Uh, But yeah, so I think that there's, it's just like such a wealth of space that has just not been tapped in enough, to be honest. Yeah. For people in the industry. Agree. I am constantly saying that climate has a comms problem. So (laughs) let's get after it. Oh my God. The biggest comms problem of our life. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, I was just thinking about how, a year ago I was in Berlin on a, on a group trip and we saw so many climate activists in the streets and, Mm. and it was, it was so in your face in a, in a great way that I have not seen here in a long time. 
and using music and rapping and but like also coming from a real science based background as as a way to to get the word out and and draw attention on the streets it was amazing and you know yeah every everybody in europe is it feels like is doing so much more yeah than, and it's funny you see that because stephanie i was in berlin a year ago yeah with we, we had a month-long campaign with scientists rebellion and many other groups there and every day we would come you know first day we went to the ministry of transport next day we went to the ministry of finance mm. next day we went there was a the who had a conference a world health conference yeah. Yeah. and and we went there and when i say went there i'm i'm saying you know well i was i was documenting right but we shut down like we shut down the conference and we forced people to and the chancellor of germany was actually speaking inside and they, they some of the scientists came up and turned on turned on the alarm the fire alarm inside the building and wow. it was interesting because the ministry of health came out and you know everybody was scientists were sitting down on the ground kind of like we're not moving the police was already surrounding every like 10 times more police than the activists, but that's how it goes. And, and he came out and he talked to us and he said, listen, I agree. I agree. I agree with your message. You know, I think health is for the first time a part of COP20, the COP conference. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. And the main message was the health crisis is the climate crisis. They are absolutely interrelated and connected. Yes. I mean, you know, the, the, not to, Get, we're veering away from marketing and advertising, but, you know, the connections to the pandemic, you know, I think we just tend to think so short term. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, the crisis is over, you know, instead of I was really hoping we would just roll on into the to the bigger one that we're dealing with as well. But mm-hmm. but anyways, all I have to say is I think that we're so behind, you know, and I think it's yeah. it's it, it's been interesting for me to be around these groups that are very, quote unquote, radical that, you know, just as you said, like they're, they're just bringing it to the streets. They're making sure that you can't ignore it. Yeah. And then, and then coming back here and seeing just how different <laughs> I am I live in LA, you know, like, like I think as we were saying, it's just not talked about like in conversation, mm-hmm. we certainly don't see people on the streets marching about it. Mm-mm. So, and it's really disheartening, you know, it's disheartening that, that here in the city, we're not seeing it as, as the big problem that it is. At least that's how it feels like to me. Totally. And we so I'm and hoping in that theory we're saying that you care more. Huh? And in theory, in California, in Los Angeles, we are supposedly doing more <laughs> than right. so many not other really. cities across the US, and still it feels like it's not really acknowledged so much of the time here. Yeah, exactly. And it's and unfortunately we still talk about recycling more than anything. So <laughs> Yes. Which was invented by advertising. <laughs> and this is and why we can come is. in and save the day. <laughs> because we started the problem. Exactly. Um. <laughs> well, we're, we're a big part of it, right? Totally. We were hired. We were hired to perpetuate the problem. I think that's why it's so important that we pay attention who hires us. Because we truly, I mean, you know, we go, to, we, we go to school, we learn how to be creative thinkers. And then these brands hire us to essentially be them, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, now think for me, make for me, and represent me, you know? And then people in the world look at you as at the brand. It's like, oh, you're this amazing, like, shiny brand. But actually, it's just a few creatives behind it and strategists and producers, you know, the, the machine yeah. that... I hate the word creative, by the way. When I say creative, I mean anyone who what works in this industry yeah. is creative. Speaking of turning things that are 
you know, more performative into impact. What is a more impactful project you've worked on recently or, or any time during your career that you're, that you're really proud of? It sounds like Impossible Foods was definitely up there. Was there, was there another project you want to showcase? You know, I was in, it was interesting. I was working at Airbnb, right? As the pandemic was hitting and Hmm. uh, the big project I was working on was launching Airbnb.org, which is their philanthropic arm. It used to be called Open Homes uh, Mm -hmm. and it's essentially, you're both familiar with it, but Mm -hmm. interestingly, still a lot of people are not. But it's it's the part of their company, or you know, it's it's the philanthropic arm. It's now separate from from Airbnb.com, and it's essentially housing people yeah, from for disaster relief, people who are traveling for medical issues and refugees and and that sort. So it was really interesting because I had you know I'd been working on this project to kind of launch you know launch this philanthropic arm of Airbnb, and to be honest, feeling a bit discouraged because our budgets wasn't very big and. And I'm like, oh, but the Airbnb budget, like the real, the mother Airbnb is huge, you know? And I was just feeling like it wasn't giving, it wasn't getting, because to me, I think that that part of the company, it's, it's obviously not part of their core business, right? It doesn't bring them money, but I actually think if they made it as big as their core business, that would make that company like so much. And I, yeah. but then the pandemic hit and all of a sudden that arm of the company became really important because they were helping house frontline workers. Mm -hmm. And so my work turned from like, you know, just coming up with these scripts and like, you know, like, oh, and this kind of fluffy, kind of fluffy, right? Mm. <laughs> but greenwashing work too, you know, getting on Zoom, interviewing nurses and doctors and understanding their needs so we can quickly put together something that would, you know, not just tell the world that Airbnb is doing something great, but actually find the people who need to use this. And I think that is the best way for a brand to make an impact is just to do the impactful thing really well. <laughs> Yeah. And then people will hear, but and push it rather than spending a lot of time thinking about how to talk about it, you know? Yeah. So that was something I was pretty proud of. And then uh, more recently I worked on, on, the, on, well, naming, branding a new, I don't even know if it's called an initiative or there, it, it's a UK based group that's now called the Climate Majority Project. Mm-hmm. And the idea behind it, it started by Rupert Reed and a few other academics and people who do have some background with Extinction Rebellion who are kind of saying, okay, we've got this, you know, we've got these people who are so, you know, who are on the streets because they're so, but it's just a tiny amount of people. What about the rest of us who are super concerned, who have a lot that they would want to talk about and, and, and get involved with? And I think like most of us don't know how to get involved with. And the idea is that it's actually the majority. So that's where the name Climate Majority Project comes from. And it was it was interesting. It's interesting to work on, to kind of, it's a bit more political, you know, and to jump back and forth between things like that and then more fun work like, you know, the Wu-Tang in space eating Impossible Sliders, which was a four-part miniseries we did for Impossible Foods, <laughs> where we actually built a little spaceship and brought, brought members of the Wu-Tang. And that. I mean, it, it's, it's so much fun, right? But then... <laughs> But then you go, did we sell burgers? Mm, maybe not. Maybe not with that one. But we sold burgers with like the more the more traditional spots. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting how the more fun projects I remember, obviously those, you know, big fun productions. But actually the where the impact is, I think, is where I want to get better at, if I'm honest. Yeah. Well, that leads us into our next question. What's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? 
Oh, the biggest challenge. I think that, you know, as I said, I want to focus all my work in, in climate stuff, right? I'm just being kind yeah. of strict about that. And it's hard. It's hard to do. I also find myself... So for a while now, I've been saying, like, for example, when Airbnb hired me, I said, listen, I just want to do impact work. So they actually put me on a, on a on two projects. And I'm like, see, you get to work on this still. So I've been... I, it's been really... This is not a challenge. This is actually... I've realized how how it works if you tell your employer or your potential employer or, you know, freelance project that you want to do this kind of work, they kind of, they can't really say much. <laughs> like, well, either we have it for you or we don't, but, yeah. it, but they, more than often than not, they do. And even if they can't hire you entirely to work just on that, I think it's really worth trying. However, you know, I find myself saying no to things that are not necessarily not impactful, <laughs> but they're not in the climate space, like in the health space and things like that. So I guess the challenge is to really be as strict as I want and stick to the climate lane. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know, as I told you, I'm like an extremely positive person. So I like, I, I don't, <laughs> I, think I'm gonna, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be great. <laughs> it is going to be great. Be yes, great. Because you're calling it in. You're putting yes. it out there. You've already been yeah. prepping, you know, your clients and the people you work with, with the notion that you are solely interested in working in the impact space. And so you're already building a world where people know you for that. So I think that only helps that transition to solely working in that space too. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, um, but and to be, and thank you for that, Lana. And, but to not be just positive, I will say the biggest challenge is money. And I don't yes. mean like, and yeah, whether it's the money that companies have to pay me on projects that are not, you know, like backed by huge brands or money just in general for the, the projects themselves don't have money. Right. So and, and because of that, what I find is when I do join teams and, you know, I'll take the cut. Right. Is, you know, it's it's a lot of it's I don't see the same talent, the same caliber around me, yeah. too. Yeah. Unfortunately, not to say. And, and again, because. You know, you don't have those, you know, those White and Kennedy folks and all the, you know, you have people who are kind of used to like grinding on nonprofits and it's just a different world, you know, but yeah. they don't mix, which is really a shame. Yeah, it, it is interesting. And honestly, that is something that we've heard a lot in our conversations with people that the money and resources is lacking in this space. And there's definitely desire for that to change. And we're all definitely working hard to try to flip the script on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have to. And and also, Karina, I think it's just so commendable that you are niching down and and really, you know, you're going to attract clients that align with your values. And that's really what you want. And you get to be discerning now because you've decided what you don't want. And so yeah, I, I think I think the work that you're going to continue to do is just going to be super fulfilling, and we're really excited to see how how it all comes together in the new year. Oh, I um, love all these words of affirmation. <laughs> <laughs> just able to play it over and over again to hear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it will make I you a separate edit. <laughs> Before we jump into the campaign that you've brought us, which is fantastic. Let's quickly review our criteria, both for you, Karina, and also for our listeners. So the first thing we always look at is alignment. Next is partnerships. 
call to action and transparency, engagement, and optimization and amplification. So now, Karina, if you wouldn't mind, if you can please tell us a little bit about the campaign that you brought us today that you think is doing it well, which obviously falls into the climate space, if you can give us a quick summary of the creative and the execution of the campaign to set it up for those listening. Yes. And I have to say, I don't know if I didn't read your instructions well, but I no, all, all I'm going to say is I didn't necessarily bring a campaign that I think is doing it well. I think <laughs> that's also totally fair. It's all yes. fair. Yes. Yes. Even better, uh, but- actually. We like to dig into things that were missed opportunities. So we appreciate mm-hmm. when there's opportunities beyond even sometimes it's also that the creative isn't that great and that's the opportunity and sometimes there's like actual action that's the opportunity so we'll definitely throw out all of our questions of to to analyze and dig in so let's see so the campaign that i brought today is a campaign by lg uh, made by um shy day new york um which is um called better choices make a better world uh, and it talks about the importance of sustainability um, in people's lives. And it's to me, it just feels like a bit of a manifesto-y kind of hero spot that, you know, sets out how they feel about sustainability. And I was interested in it because I feel like I've been seeing a lot of these. Yeah. Okay. And we kind of see this, you know, this little community and, you know, neighborhood, a bunch of homes, looks pretty suburban. People are walking out, you know, it's, it's, it's made in a beautiful 3D animation, looks like stop motion to me style. Yeah. And, you know, people are just coming out of their house and everything looks good. And, and all of a sudden this giant hand comes out and starts pointing them like quite in a literal way towards better choices. So whether it's switching to a different mode on your, on your machine or at one point, this giant hand tells, you know, shows a woman that there's a flower on the street that needs to be brought in or that, you know, her clothes can be recycled or that she can turn her AC down or up. Uh, and just this giant hand keeps coming in on this little wonderful community and, you know, asking them to make better choices. And it all sounds fine and dandy. And then, you know, at the end, we've got, let's see, I just want to see what the end line is. So we've got our better choices make a better world. And then life's good, which I'm pretty sure is LG's current tagline, but maybe someone can. Yeah, I think so. So I think the spot is beautifully made. I'm sure it aligns nicely with like LG's personality, which is just kind of happy and, you know, not really making big, big statements. Right. (laughs) I really don't like (laughs) this ad. (laughs) <laughs> and the reason is not, I think it's beautifully made. I think the, the creatives did an yeah. amazing job. I don't know uh, what the production company was, but I just feel like it's what's, what's wrong with communication around climate and especially when brands are doing it. I think it's really interesting and, and it's not the only one, right? There was, there's another brand that's also, I just saw recently is doing, oh, so, so LG has got a good life. BA British Airlines is doing a better world. Everyone is doing this, you know, and there's, there's, I've seen a lot of these like good life, you know, the good, the good future, the good this. And it just feels a bit like, where is that messaging coming from? And I think if I, if I dig into it, I know that within climate, we always go, okay, well, we need to be hopeful, right? That's kind of, you know, because if, if we don't have hope, then people will just feel despair and everybody will just, you know, sit down and not do anything. 
think that's mm-hmm. the kind of the, and I, obviously LG is trying to sell something, so they don't want to be too negative. I get it. However, I think it's essentially saying that life is good when really, I think the point is that there's some, there's something wrong actually that we need to change. And this giant hand, this giant white hand nudging people. And I don't the know what the really hand bothers is. me. Is that, yeah. really bo- is that LG? <laughs> Is that LG's hand? Like who? Is that like Lord, like glorification or whoever LG is? Like, I don't know what this is. And yeah. they're just, and it's these tiny little nudges like, oh, but the flower and, and you know, and oh, and if only you just changed your, your setting a little bit. It's essentially saying, that's it. We've done it. And right. it's a good life. Oh, what a good life. We just change the setting here and there. We make sure not to throw away. We just away fed the animals. Bit. It's fine. <laughs> What? Oh, so great. And there's also no arc, right? It's it's a good life before the nudges and after the nudges. So I'm not really sure what, what was wrong to begin with. Yeah. And this kind of like, this kind of like uh, idea that like, oh, everybody, the future is going to be good. Feels yeah. like a really weird message within the sustainability space. Because I think for, for, for people living, you know, comfortable lives, life is good, right? The problem is that what's making our life good is making life really bad for a lot of people around the world, especially in the global South, who are already suffering the consequences of, of climate change. So it just feels like so, it feels quite removed from reality. And I think a lot of brands right now are doing this kind of leaning into like a good feeling and that things mm. are going to be great, you know? But mm. I'm like, oh, yo, where's the hard work? What, things are just going to be great and we're not going to do any hard work? And, you know. Yeah. I don't want to, of course, the, the first thing I said when you said, what should we analyze was that apple spot with yeah. where she plays Mother Nature. And yeah. I think that has the same feeling of like, everything's good, y'all. Everything's really good. Just buy like, an Apple Watch. It'll be fine. Honestly, I, made, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, I should just go buy a bunch of Apple products. Like, I'll feel so good and like the, the planet will be better. You know, it's, yeah. I, I just think there's, yeah, anyways, that was my... It's 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 different type of gaslighting. Mm. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's I mean, it's totally gaslighting. Okay, I was gonna say to the point of what you're saying is interesting because even in the fact that they have this the making of video, this making of video is actually not selling the dream anymore in a positive way. It says in it that this was made for a specific audience that shares our belief in the power of positive change. But the reality of it, of it is, is the people who believe in that are probably already doing these things. Mm-hmm. So you're not teaching them anything new. So by right. that, if that is your target audience, you actually haven't, like, I would imagine this would not sit well, right? Mm-hmm. Because we are all people who are doing things for positive change. And we're like, eh you know, about this in that sense. And I think it goes back to what you were saying about the recycling as well, in that people think like, oh, I put it in the recycling bin. It's fine. And even in this, they show the behind the scenes of like, oh, it's a zero waste set. And they, you know, are zero waste can be such like the term itself now has gotten so ridiculous, but just because they're putting the materials into different bins that will be distributed in different places Mm -hmm. doesn't actually make it zero waste because you don't truly know where that's going and how it's going to be used again. So unless it's actually staying in cycle of use, it's not zero waste. So just because it went into a bin, it's like the same idea of recycling. So that's kind of interesting as well. 
Well, and and in in the same way that recycling and like you know the original campaign by mm. the plastics and oil industry to get us to recycle, it's so focused on individual behavior and individual impact, mm-hmm. and has so successfully put the problem squarely on on people and mm-hmm. us. And this spot kind of perpetuates that because it's saying, mm. oh, if only we just you know if you only just nudge your life here and there, like everything will be better. Yeah. You know, climate crisis mm-hmm. will be solved. But the truth is that. The power sits within systems. It sits within big companies, you know, who are making choices within those systems. And 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 I think that detracting from that is, oh, but you could do a little bit better. Yeah, well, and until and- we change this, the systems, it's not going to really shift, right? Right. And, you and- know, that was something that Patrick Brown, the founder of Impossible Foods, always said, you know, I started this company because I realized, like, the marketplace is there. We're not going to change it right now, but we just need people to have better choices. And so that the choices are there and they can make them right. Mm. The problem, unfortunately, is that, you know, alternative meat industry and, you know, a lot of startups in the climate space are just stacked. The the odds are so stacked against them within the marketplace because of subsidies to animal products, for example, in the alternative meat example, that it's actually not a fair marketplace, (laughs) And yeah. once again, it's up to the consumer to make a conscious decision. When most consumers make decisions based on what what is cheap, what is convenient, and what is healthy, if they can afford it, right? Yeah. And that's it. And what's quick, right? So, totally. Yeah. Not to be completely negative, but you know, um, this, this, there's a lot to be negative about. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to play into that right now. Just poking around on their YouTube to see because it had said um, in one of the articles that they are also having specific spots that follow each of these characters focusing on the individuals as well. The fact that the the one of them is called the savior of the flowers. Oh God. In no. and of itself is already the problem. <laughs> yeah. What is that gonna do? I don't want to like, yeah it says focusing on this flower and like, you know, reviving the little flower, but I'm <laughs> and the description on the YouTube video literally says, this is Marjorie exclamation point, an avid gardener who loves plants and cares for the environment. See how she saves plants in her neighborhood, but also saves energy in her home. It's, there should probably be an <laughs> S there. There's not an S in that second saves. Anyways, sorry. Now come I feel on. like we're just ripping LG part, but also like, come on, you can do better than that. A, they have the money. B, like that's the savior complex is everything you need to get away from. And also that's maybe also why that white hand like <laughs> is also it's very like white savior i'll just come in and like tap you on the shoulder and you can fix this little thing and everything yeah. will be okay that's a weird choice such a weird choice the giant hand mm. honestly. okay but yeah it's i i also really just feel for the people behind that spot because i am mm. it's such a hard like you said it's the biggest communication problem yeah. it's so mm. hard to tell and it's so easy to fall into these spaces you know and especially mm-hmm. I think when brands are pushing so hard, right, right now to to be to be seen as sustainable and it feels like all the creative that's coming out every, you know, I'm like, wow, all these companies are amazing. You know, like they're just all like zero carbon. Everything is great within like two months. Like we're going to have nothing else. Yeah. And it's just not the, not what's actually happening. Well, and yeah. the, the only thing I was going to say before was that I I wonder if. LG got their audience wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they are unintentionally actually 
educating people who may not know how to compost or use imperfect produce and get that from from their local grocer or whatever that you know they're educating people who don't turn down the thermostat and don't understand that that can affect their environment or their bills and you know like i i am as as an also eternal optimist i'm always going to say like you know at least they're saying something they're doing mm. something they're putting something out there but i definitely agree that it feels it fell flat especially if they claim that they are trying to to reach like-minded customers who are already taking some of these things into consideration then yeah. it's totally the word I'm looking for <laughs> it's it's like it's it's patronizing it's to absolutely those, patronizing to that audience yeah, yeah. And why and why is this company even like why does it even hold a space of of giving advice about how to be more sustainable in your mm-hmm. life you know like I understand them giving you know like explaining how their products can be maximized for less electrical use or whatever right that right. makes sense. That's squarely about what they're, <laughs> but I think in, in the desire to tell a, a nice story and to go bigger and to say, oh, but all of life is good. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. It's I, just think I think the tricky thing is, and then we can get into the, the criteria. I think it's that they're, I think LG may stand for life is good or something along those lines, or they just use it as their tagline, but so it makes sense in a way that it ends with that. But I think I think by the nature of having the hand that's coming and directing it, I think throws off the oh, message. Man. Like I think that's really derailing the message and, and having this idea that they're trying to reach this audience specifically. I think when a brand is selling you something anyways and they're trying to like I, – I don't necessarily have a problem with the trying to teach a sustainable behavior – but it, in this context, it feels a little weird. Like this execution of doing that feels a little weird. Yeah. And I don't know, I think stop motion also might have just been a weird choice for the delivery of that. Like I, I think of, you know, laundry companies that have done campaigns around washing in cold water. Most people don't know that if they wash in cold water, their clothes are going to get just as clean and they're saving energy. So like that's useful yeah. information. Mm-hmm. And maybe some people will actually make those changes, you know, so to Seth's point, like maybe... You know, people don't know how to compost or don't think it's important or aren't going to pick that sweater up off the side of the road and wash it. But I just think the like the way they went about trying to get those messages across is a little forced and strange and not necessarily very helpful Um, or behavior changing, really. (laughs) Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it just makes us feel good about LG, right? Like, I don't think that I, I don't buy that this actually is meant to teach me something. You know, I don't even it's... feel good about LG. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I didn't even good. walk away being like, I should get one of those. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an in- And, you know, I think by contrast, I was in Heathrow Airport about a year ago or so. Mm. And this is like one of my favorite, like, ads within the space. And it was actually just a PSA from Heathrow. And mm. it, was a, it was a big billboard inside the airport with a giant elephant. <laughs> And it just said, there's an elephant at the airport. And it was just, and it just addressed the fact that flying is the single worst thing we can do. 
mm-hmm. for climate. And that's it. And you were there flying. You're meant to feel good, right? Because you're like, oh, I'm going on vacation or whatever I'm going. But it just put it right there in front of you. And it's and it's true. You know, it's the it's the yeah. truth is that this is and it made me well, I mean, it made me feel really good about Heathrow, <laughs> you know, because I felt like, God, they're just saying it like it is, you know? Yeah, they're acknowledging I'm it. Make, they're not trying to yeah. paint some picture. They're actually making me feel uncomfortable. And I think that's what we really need right now. And I think I feel like brands will be rewarded if they're if they make people feel just a bit more uncomfortable about. Climate. Yeah. You mean it's it's funny you say that because I don't get to fly that much anymore. And I remember flying out of LAX to New York and this happened on both sides of the flight. And I love Delta and I fly Delta and there was a huge billboard outside talking about some sustainability, some something for Delta. And I was like, that's not real. And then, you know, you get inside the plane and there's the big sign on the first class comforters about how they're like made out of recycled water bottles or whatever, sitting promptly next to a plastic water bottle. <laughs> Greenwashing at its finest. Even if you have some sustainability initiative behind the scenes, you've ruined all of it by this messaging right here. And then walking through the airport in New York on the way back and so you know, a water bottle company that had plastic water bottles. <laughs> they sell water in plastic water bottles in the airport. And it was a all the messaging on the display was about how they were zero waste oh or carbon neutral or something. And I was like, again. This isn't real. Like, mm-hmm. that's not actually true. But most of these yeah. people walking through the airport who are uneducated are probably going to be like, that's fine. They said they're carbon neutral. Mm-hmm. I'll get my water for the plane. It's cool. Well, I think that's the problem. I mean, there's so many problems with greenwashing. But I think even when it's done completely unintentionally, the problem is that when when a company or a, or a product or a brand or a person says, I'm doing the sustainability thing, the rest of us go, oh, great. Somebody's taking care of it. You know, yep. and that Apple commercial made me feel like, great, climate crisis is going to be over soon. You know, like, mm. like if this, you know, look, look at us like leading into a great new world. And it makes me feel like someone is working on it. Someone's mm-hmm. got it. Therefore, I can just relax. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the big, that's why the elephant in the airport. I like that it said, actually, no. And, and I wish, you know, yeah. like if, was it Delta that you said that yeah, they actually, I've seen other airlines do it too. I mean, it's not even yeah, totally Delta. Like they're all doing it now. There's a lot ridiculous. of plastic on this plane and we know it's a problem and we know we need to fix it full stop. Like yeah. they don't actually have the solution yet. So don't pretend like you do. Yeah. Just don't even advertise your comforters being made out of partially recycled anything. Like just don't do it. Just continue to do better. And when there's actually something to talk about it, then talk about it. Exactly. Well, and, and also do they talk about how they're buying offsets or anything on behalf of their passengers and customers, or like maybe even give a call to action of here's how you can offset your trip. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if some airlines do do that now. Yeah, exactly. So then, so then if the onus comes back on us, then, you know, yeah, great. Have the elephant in the airport, I love but the then elephant. say, you know, here's a call to action mm-hmm. to to actually do something about it. Yeah. Here's my yeah. question about the elephant, because now I'm very interested in said elephant, <laughs> the elephant in the room, airport, terminal, whatever. Was there then like a literal elephant display of some form in the airport that then had some like education around this at all? Or was it just the billboard going into the airport? It was both going in and on the inside and just, again, like this giant airport. Let, let me actually pull it up. This giant elephant 
Because I imagine yeah. like if there was like literal like elephant sculpture or structure of some form in the middle, like maybe it's even an interactive thing. It's like a huge elephant that you like walk into <laughs> and then there's like, you know, information inside. So it like draws people literally in so you could learn about the elephant in the room. Right. It could be such an interesting activation. So the the ads are, they were unfortunately not, I agree, it would have been so cool if it was an actual giant elephant. They should totally do that. But it was just giant billboards that like show the space you're in, but then add a, a big elephant in it, right? Within the within mm-hmm. the frame. And it says, we need to talk about the elephant in the airport, climate change. And then it just says, to find out how we're helping tackle the greatest challenge of our time, visit Heathrow, uh, heathrow.com slash climate. So at the end, yeah, they throw it back to themselves. But actually, oh, here's another one. It says, hmm. a heavyweight problem requires a heavyweight solution. And then it says, we source 100% renewable energy, enough to power everything in this terminal. So, you know, their messaging is still like, the, the fine line is still like, here's how Heathrow is trying to do it better. Which hmm. I think, you know, is always kind of what it goes back to. But I like that that's not the point. I like that actually it's not giving solutions because the problem is, in in airline industry, like we don't really have solutions right now. You know, like they're saying that electric planes, which is really the, the only, or or some kind of not renewable energy planes, are still yeah. so far away. And until they're here, we will be using fossil fuels. And there's not really much more we can do to reduce that industry, except except really to fly less. And I, again, I'm not saying I'm not advocating everybody should fly less, but I think confronting the the dilemma that we live in, rather than saying we have all the solutions when we really don't is really yeah. refreshing. Yeah. I mean, literally on yeah. the Heathrow website, it says climate change is the greatest. I mean, this is on their carbon strategy page, so you do have to get to there, but it says climate strategy change is the greatest challenge of our time. And as a major player on the aviation industry, a conversation about the subject is never going to be an easy one. We acknowledge our carbon footprint is part of the problem, but here you can find out about our commitment to being part of the solution. And I think that's a lesson in what brands can be doing in the sense that by acknowledging that you're aware, at least, that you're part of the problem right. can give you a little more slack with consumers because you're not saying I have the answers. You're saying I'm trying to find answers and I'm trying to be better, but I know it's going to be a hard road and people will be more compassionate towards that than just saying like, oh, just reduce your thermostat and you're good. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's transparency. Yeah. Which yeah. And- which we so sorely need around this this subject because you know i think what did i see that it's like climate crisis is still the 10th issue on democrats minds like and that was from 2022 or something you know as far as like issues that are important to them and i think that greenwashing mm. our industry is really contributing to that because it's mm. making everybody feel like someone's got it they're mm. building some renewables they're making some fake meat you know like it, it's happening i don't know how but it's happening so everything's totally. fine and I'm yeah. not going to make that my number one issue when, when I, I mean, I personally believe it needs to be way higher up there and really should be driving votes and driving how we're changing systems and pushing to change oh, systems. Absolutely. Yeah. Shall we do a run through with the criteria just to make sure we touch on all the points? Yeah. And, I, and I'm thinking maybe we just yes, no it. <laughs> cool. Unless there's something we haven't touched on. But yeah, totally. Right. right. So, all right. Let's kick it off. Alignment. Is the impact aligned with LG's brand values and goals? Is the impact aligned? 
What is the impact? No. Or, or sorry, right. is the like is the messaging aligned with their brand values and goals? Like the impact of the spot. I think, I think so. I mean, yeah, they're saying if their brand values, life's good, then yeah, that you know. <laughs> it aligns yeah. in that way. But I think you mean differently. Yeah, no, but I, I think I think there's something to that. But also, you know, in that behind the scenes video, they talk about how they're they value innovation and they're known for innovation. And maybe you have to dig more into these products. Maybe these were innovative new products and these are new features, but it doesn't seem like there's anything actually that unique about any of the products that were in that. I think that's like table stakes now for electronics in terms of the execution of some of those things. So it doesn't even feel particularly innovative No, Um, in that sense. And yes, they have a sustainability page, but every company should at this point. So, um, and, and to say... Life's good when we create a better life for all. Are you actually creating a better life for all? Like, let's dig into that and see how do you treat your employees? What's happening in your factories? How are you treating your vendors? There's so many things. This yeah, goes how back. are you pushing your innovation to actually make it right. easier for people to make good choices? You know? Yeah. Is, and like, where's the circularity? Giant hand. Yeah. You know? God, and if it's true hand. innovation, especially in the electronic space, like where's the circularity of these products? Exactly. Innovation in this space would have, we'd be having circular products that come back and can get fixed and stay in, in use versus right. having to replace a new product every couple of years or a few years, which is, you know, what now happens with appliances and everything else. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I want LG to come out and say, we made the product and so that you don't have, ever have to buy another product again because it's so sustainable and circular, right? Like that would be the move, right? Like mm-hmm. you just can switch out the one little piece and like, we'll do it for you. Like that's where you get that buy-in, but. Yeah, and to or, your point, the fact that they're not doing that makes me go, okay, so their products are not innovative. They just want me to be a better person. Got it. That's a no then. No on the line. I think that's like, there's no talent influencer partnership, so we won't dig into that. There's clearly no nonprofit partnership. That could be a famous hand. <laughs> that famous <laughs> hand model. Maybe it's just the model. It's the hand. CEO of LG. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Well, I guess we can talk about this in the sense of a of missed opportunity, right? Like a nonprofit partnership or even a carbon also partnership or in anything partnership of impact is that if you're going to sit here and have these sustainability messages then like where could you then be sending consumers to learn more about compost to support their local community garden to learn how to do this in their own way and i mean that kind of hits on community engagement in a way but i think there is an opportunity there if you're going to have these messages that beyond just flip the switch or lower your thermostat or pick up the sweater like having resources where people can then if it's truly about learning and teaching new behaviors Mm -hmm. then take it a step further and either engage with nonprofits in those spaces or offer tools to teach your consumers how they can personally actually engage in those actions in a real way i 100 percent agree with you alana it's it's that is the biggest missed opportunity right is if lg wants to you know engage in the space of of you know showing us how we can nudge our way into slightly better life, being more sustainable. Mm -hmm. This is, I think, why I said earlier, like, why is that LG space? However, if they had a partnership with experts who are bringing this message, and then this is about celebrating the partnership or, you know, amplifying the partnership, or even if at the end of the day is just meant to give a halo, at least it's based on something real. And I know that they've learned from a real place and that they're supporting Mm -hmm. through their partnership something real. 
Otherwise, you know, who's coming up with these messages, right? It's at the end of the day, it's creatives. It's not sustainability specialists, right? So I completely agree with you. And this this feels like a one-off. This is not part of a, a larger campaign, I don't think. Yeah. Unless unless it said something in the behind the scenes video, but I don't it think I saw that. As far as a call to action here, I mean, I know we've kind of beaten the life is good horse at this point. <laughs> Builds a better yeah. world, I guess. Life Builds is a better good. world was our call to action. I don't know. Better choices Maybe. make a better world. Not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but also, I mean, it's interesting. Because if you really want to dig into like, you could really build a whole campaign, right? About better choices, make a better world and look at what are these other choices that you could make to make a better world. And you could be going to anything from getting politically engaged and actually voting as we go into an election year. You could get into sustainability initiatives. You can get into policy change. You can get into, I mean, it's a pretty broad statement. So it could you know, affect so many different areas, but you'd have to actually care enough to put the money and initiative behind it to grow that as your campaign and make true change. Yeah. Yeah. The, the campaign concept has legs for sure, but whether or not they're actually going to do anything with it. And, and I agree. I think stop motion animation was probably not the medium for this. And then throwing in, you know, that that less subtle call to action of, oh, I should just buy an LG dryer and washing machine because that's a better choice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think a lot of times a lot of brands go towards like animation as a as a solve for something that, you know, when when they're I think when they're it's harder to tackle this big issue and talk about it. When it's in, mm-hmm. when it's real life. <laughs> right? So I yeah. think, I think what, I think the stop motion is again, a, a little bit of greenwashing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's making everything just that much more kind of fun and, and cute and, you know, life's good. <laughs> right. And the soundtrack is just adorable as hell. <laughs> so that doesn't just hurt like, do, 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 anything do, do, do. either. Yeah. To, to make you feel like, yeah, I, I could be optimistic about this. These we're, little warm making... and fuzzy characters with warm and fuzzy music. And we're just going to be warm and fuzzy all day long. Ah, but this live action hand will come in and tell you how your <laughs> like little so lights disturbing. can be just a little bit cuter. Yeah, it's so weird. It's such a so weird. Whose hand choice. Whose hand is it? Please, I want to know. Oh, gosh. So important. Oh, my God, that's so funny. Okay, so, I mean, transparency, <laughs> I think we've... We've really gotten into the lack of transparency there. Yeah, Community engagement, we touched on employee engagement. I mean, again, yeah. I think that's like you need to know what's happening behind the scenes and if they're truly living these values on the other side right. and, you know, and taking care of their employees in that way. And then cross promotion. I don't know if there was any other than this behind the scenes, it's but it's a wash cool. at this point because I think we've really been a little snarky on this one sorry LG. rightfully we can help rightfully. you go too hard on this one i just hated it so much when i saw it <laughs> but look we have people who can help redirect and support there's opportunity in this campaign we have individuals right here who can fix this for you lg so that's right let's go
We can do it better. We can do better choices. Make better. Make better. I would flip it back to LG and say, "Great, what are the better choices you're making?" That's yeah. Boom, baby. Yes. Mm. So funny. I feel like I talk with my toddler about making better choices, and like here we are talking to a company about making better choices. As they, she's gonna turn to you and say, "What better choices are you making?" Define better. (laughs) So funny. Well. On that note, (laughs) we can all make better choices. On that note, thank you so much, Karina, for joining us today. Where can folks learn more about you and your work? In the meantime, until your link is live. episode comes up, you can learn more at karinacaroll.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here and helping us shine a light and learn from those who are doing it well question mark i mean i'm still i'm still figuring it out we we just all right the more of us are in this space the easier it will be for all of us to to do more of this so totally and yeah hopefully we'll we'll all reduce the missed opportunities for good we want to hear from you please let us know what campaigns are you seeing that are doing it well who would you like to see us interview and what campaigns would you like us to audit Thank you so much to our listeners for joining us on our mission to revolutionize the industry that we love. Missed Opportunities for Good is a production of Align for Impact and Love of Good. 